1: Welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because Mom said we had to. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Benedict, who's about to go jump off a bridge because Timmy's mom lets him do it, Benedict! I got nothing
3: for that one. Did not
1: your parents your not intro, say, say would yeah. would you go if if Timmy's mom let him jump off a bridge? Would you go do it too? Is, is that not always, a phrase that happened in your house?
3: Timmy, or is it like... whatever the boy's is name insert, is? It's Alfred
1: Cotswallow the Third's mother lets him <laughs> jump off a bridge. Would you Well, he let
3: someone do it for him. To be <laughs> fair.
1: <laughs> jump, Reginald! Jump.
3: <laughs> That's it. There you go. You see. Uh, Um, And that's how you take a mediocre joke and bring it up a level. (laughs) Benedict!
1: What's the first industry you would nationalize if given the chance?
3: Uh, That is a great question. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. You are a dictator
1: of the United States. Power at your fingertips. Nationalize away.
3: Uh, I mean, like, the obvious answer is healthcare. Yeah, I felt like that was probably the obvious answer. Yeah, I mean, there are funnier answers. Like... (laughs) chipotle <laughs> yeah or like cinema like hollywood like yeah. we will nationalize because honestly there there was some great soviet propaganda films i mean I would like to that's see how you do get did. into
1: a nice dictator pose <laughs> yeah, by nationalizing yeah, exactly. the media yeah
3: that's probably the correct answer is like <laughs> we, we nationalize hollywood and then make a bunch of propaganda movies and that is how i win mm, nice yeah, what about you? Uh, well,
1: since you chose the obvious answer first, the first answer, healthcare. Okay, right? you have uh, to choose a funny answer. Uh, well, no, I'm going to go with my number two. I had my number okay. two prepared because I knew you'd land on the obvious correct answer. Uh, uh, electricity production. Yep, that's The correct. electrical industry. Uh, because you know, finally got my first electrical bill in the new apartment. Mm. Um, it turns I bet out that
3: big apartment you're in. It took costs some a lot to constant. air condition fifteen hundred square feet, Benedict. It does. That's sure Kevin's humble brag does. about the size of the apartment, especially in a hundred plus year old, not well insulated building. That's true, but you're also paying about ten dollars a month for your rent. So I don't. <laughs> you will receive no sympathy from Benedict.
1: Me. Almost cried when he learned how low my rent was. I did.
3: Yeah. <laughs> It's very it is lower than the place that I used to live in that I had to move out of because it was too small. <laughs> and it's, Kevin's apartment is still bigger than mine.
1: Yeah, yeah. But no, when I used to live in Sacramento, uh, when I first moved out, I lived in an apartment. Um, and Sacramento has what's called SMUD, the Sacramento Mumi- Municipal Utility District, right? Which is a public entity. It is owned by the public. It is wonderful. It has a board of directors that are elected not by shareholders, but by the people who are actually using the service. It's fantastic. And the people, uh, the the board of directors can and do from time to time, uh, put out uh, ballot resolutions that allow the people who live in the district and who are customers of the district to vote on the the, uh, actions that the uh, uh, company or whatever you want to call it, the district makes. It's amazing. And the electricity cost there for SMUD is about half, on average, of what PG&E, which is the other big electricity company in California, about half of PG&E rates, which is not surprising why PG&E has for the last hundred years since uh, SMUD was created, fought tooth and nail to prevent any uh, uh, expansion of SMUD to any other areas in the state. Also,
3: hasn't PG&E famously caused a bunch of fires in California? They've
1: done that. They've definitely done that. I I mean, SMUD might have as well. It's it's very possible. Like, on some level, it's just a risk of having, like, electrical wires running all over the place, which is <laughs> running inece-
3: near trees and right. shit. It's yeah, sort of a
1: necessity, but SMUD also being driven by a profit motive rather than a public interest motive, uh, you know, has, has, uh, not as much incentive to do maintenance and do the things that yeah. protect the public. I
3: mean, the, the answer correctly is, I mean, if it's not Medicare or the health, it's, uh, everyday resources. So.
1: Absolutely. All the everyday resources and we all need the electricity, but anyways, better Bellic- Uh, you probably know what it Mm -hmm. is that we do here on this program. Some folks, folks who have never felt the joy of a publicly owned utility, uh, they might not know what it is that we do here. And then I would say, this is a show where we go deep, 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 deep to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative literature, and in between, taking a look at another example of the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do You have a hot take for us this week.
3: Yeah, blue light filter glasses, a revelation, as it turns out. I, I don't know if you use those ever, but they are like, I don't know, I've reached the age now, I guess, where my eye is oh like, God, the light is too man. blue. Are those new glasses that um, I haven't noticed? They're, no, they're not. They're the same. Okay. Um, but I have some for work that I, when I'm staring at my screen. Benedict, uh, I think you're
1: mixing things up. Those blue blockers you're wearing, those are not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the 1980s, buddy.
3: No. Take those off. But no, that it is It is genuinely good. Like, it's, it's, uh, uh, my eyes have reached the stage where I'd like, they used to just dry out, I guess, just oh. from, like, looking at blue light for too long. You were so old and so, old is, and so is, is, white look, and so British. I, dude, it's I, intolerable. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> if you, too, listener, would like to this podcast brought to you by Blue Light Filters, uh, <laughs> I wish someone would pay us to sell blue light filters. That'd be cool. Anyway, sure. that's it. That's my hot take. I, uh, my, my, my very, very lukewarm take is that blue light filters have helped me feel less like my eyes might fall out nice. from looking at a screen all day. So that's nice. cool. Might I suggest as someone who looks at screens all day, in fact, multiple screens, you might get some blue light glasses.
1: Mm, nope. I just have fancy monitors for my computer that have a setting that's supposed to help my eyes. Not sure if they work, but my yeah, eyes feel good. like a lie. Yeah, my eyes feel good. Uh, oh, I, I'm supposed to wait for you to ask me the question. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed. You to are.
3: Yeah, to... you were talking, How so I didn't you? bother. I, you have to I learn to shut know, the fuck up sometimes. So uh, good what good. is your hot take?
1: My hot take this week, uh, Benedict. Everybody should go back and read them some Richard Hofstadter, uh, the guy who wrote uh, famously uh, the paranoid style in American politics. Uh, I recently uh, was at a used bookstore. I picked up. Uh, a used copy of, uh, it's, a, it's a book that contains that and also a, another one of his writing and a bunch of uncollected essays.
3: Anti-intellectualism in American life—it does contain anti-intellectualism in American life. life. Um, yep. Wow, well, you are a smart boy, aren't you? I am. I've recommended Richard Hofstadter. He's Hostert such a smart a boy. Times. I love Richard Hofstadter. Good boy. Good boy. He's yeah, an interesting
1: me? dude too. He had a very interesting life. Like he joined the Communist Party in the '30s.
3: Everyone in the '60s that was a good writer, like, <laughs> had an interesting life. It's like who's the guy C.L.R. James who wrote about the Haitian Revolution? Mm-hmm. Just had a oh, super man, you interesting. Love,
1: you life.
3: love C.L.R. James. I do love, but he. Just just like fucked everyone's wives. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I don't look. CLR. I don't have any anecdotes about how much Hofstetter was fucking, uh, but I do know that he left the Communist Party uh, when the uh, the the uh, Hitler-Stalin Pact was formed. So, oh, dude cool. had principles. Dude had yeah, principles. Yeah, that's good. good uh, cool dude. He, I mean, like, yeah, I love Hofstetter. I love his work, um, and uh, everyone should go back and read it because it is very prescient for the present day. And yeah,
3: I mean, know, anti-intellectualism in American life is just, it's is yeah. perfect. Yes, <laughs> like,
1: it is. As is the paranoid style. It's all coming back. everything's a full circle. Anyways. And medic- the,
3: Ameri- the American political tradition is really good as well.
1: All, all of his writings, all of his writings. Yeah, a lot of honestly. it's available online, too, if you don't want to pick up. I'm somebody, I'm a tactile guy. I like yeah, to have a too. physical
3: copy of things. Me
1: too. That's why I go to use bookstores and pick up old stuff. But uh, if you want them, they're mostly all out online for free if you want to read them. Uh, on to housekeeping this week. Benedict, remember to rate interview us on the iTunes and the Spotify's and the Stitcher's and the... Uh, it's the only three I can name off the top of my head. Uh, remember to follow us on the social medias at NYGBC on Twitter and at NYGBC Ben. Updates, Benedict. Uh, last week, I incorrectly said, and I am, I am very sorry, uh, I said that Wes Bellamy, which was the name of a character in the book, was the mayor of Kansas City. Mm. I was mixing up three different people. <laughs> cool. I was mixing up Wes Bellamy. Uh, who was—I I forget if he was on the boor, uh, the, the city—what's it called when people run a city? You know what I mean. Council? City Council? What was city Jeremy Jam? Yeah, City Council. <laughs> he yeah. was either the city council or the mayor of Charlottesville. Um, and I should know this because Molly Conger uh, contacted me after and reminded me, and now I should have that pulled up and remember, but I don't. Uh, but uh, And I was mixing him up with Wesley Bell— who is the St. Louis County prosecuting attorney. Who you no could argue that there
3: are the simply of. too many Wes's for this. There's a like, lot
1: of Wesleys out there. It's, too uh, many Wesleys. It feels Westleys. like a name that would have gone the way of the dodo, but there's surprisingly does, yeah. many. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and somehow I also threw into the mix somehow Quentin Lucas, who is the mayor of Kansas City, Who I thought was named Wes Bellamy, as it turns out, Benedict. I just thought that three black men were all the same person. Cool, yeah. Racist, and that is what happened. Fun fact: I met Quentin Lucas, the mayor of Kansas City, at a random rooftop bar in Kansas City a few months ago. That's fun. Yeah, it was a fun time. Uh, Also, I very incredibly confidently said, in the way that only a white male who is wrong can. (laughs) <laughs> that the name of the band who made the song Butterfly. I saw
3: this. I was so disappointed. Is Crazy in you.
1: Train when it's actually Crazy Town. So again, what will we do with you? A jail second for mea Kevin. culpa in one week. I can't believe what's going wrong with my mind.
3: I think the uh, the patron feed reaction to the most recent Steven Segal episode was maybe the best reaction <laughs> we've ever had. People loved that episode. It's was great. Go listen to it. It's fun. You
1: know, I am. I, I texted you this after we were done, but I was like. I am genuinely, for the first time, sad that we are done with a book. Yeah. Like, that book was so much fun compared to the usual drivel we go through. I'm, like, yearning for the next one we find that's anywhere like it. (laughs) So if you, dear listener, happen to come across anything like it, please send it to us. Because uh, I will find an excuse to. Work I it was in the
3: I, I was telling someone about the Liberty Adams book. I'm shocked we haven't done the second. How one. How do you that remember is. that it's Liberty
1: Adams?
3: Because how the, did you remember was,
1: the name of the author?
3: Because I had it out yesterday, Okay. the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm shocked we never did the second one of those. Honestly, uh,
1: so the second one is available as a PDF. Um, I because uh, I remember we went to her website and I saw it. And it's there as a PDF. I don't know if there's a physical copy. But, okay, you know, uh, always time to have uh, romance correspondent Morgan Stringer back on the show.
3: That's true. Uh, <laughs> always time to have Morgan back on to do anything, honestly. Yeah, she's right. fun. She's a good guest.
1: Uh, anyways, on to this week, Benedict uh, inductees into the spooky world New World Order. Blah. Uh, and I don't have any. I do not have any inductees.
3: All of not. our patrons are being so I engaged had one in, in the episode. I had one in
1: mind, and I didn't put it in my notes, and now I don't remember.
3: Oh, no. Who? Okay,
1: inductee, whoever it is that I'm thinking of that I forgot to put into my notes, you know who you are. Oh, you know who you are. Everyone can just imagine it's them. It's great. It's Make perfect. sure
3: Kevin knows who it is.
1: Yes, you are now part of our... Benedict.
3: New World Spooky World Order. I might just
1: keep having you do it and not do the sound effect
3: from now on. (laughs) (laughs) I almost like it better. I quite like it, yeah. I don't mind it. But of course,
1: if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommend it to others, and send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star view wherever you can. Drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity. Become a patron. Or just get my attention with something good. battle it. With all that out of the way, it's time to get into this week's episode. No, I don't
3: want to. Well, because you don't know what make the topic me. is this week. I do, yeah. No, so, I never know this in advance I'll ease don't you me. into it. I'll ease okay.
1: you into it because I do want to have a little fine, discussion fine, fine. with you uh, okay. uh, about this topic. Now, I've been working on this episode. We're going to do, I swear to God, we're going to do it on yep. conservative comedy.
3: We started doing it with the B.
1: We did, but, you know, what I mean is the way I normally do a Lunatic Fringe episode, where I write out all my thoughts and my observations and have links to sources and things like that. Um, And and I've run into some hurdles in putting it together in that I don't know what I think about conservative comedy entirely. And I'll say for a couple of reasons. One of them is that I think there's a, a, a delineation to be made between conservative comedy and Republican comedy, right? I think that's right. Because there is a difference between the two. We have a Republican party in the United States, not a conservative party. Um, One is batshit crazy. The other one just has bad ideas. You can guess Mm -hmm. which is which. Fun game. But I will say that I have found conservative comedians who can be funny. That is possible. It is out there. And one of the things I was doing in preparing for this is I went back and watched the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Mm -hmm. which was larry the cable guy jeff foxworthy bill ingvall and ron white i have no idea to this fucking day how ron white ended up on that lineup that makes no sense to me no ron white is a dirty raunchy comedian he has some like conservative political leanings but isn't he just like
3: from the south is that
1: like something he's from texas he's from texas and that might be it but the thing is that all four of them and what differentiates them from what I think people mean when they say that conservatives aren't funny is none of them are political. Their acts are not
3: political. Yeah. So here's the thing. There's a difference between comedians and hacks, I think, is what you're getting <laughs> at.
1: <laughs> also true. Also true. But so one of the things that I, I do want to highlight is that the, the part of the problem with what we call conservative comedy and the thing that is not funny is that what we're talking about is political comedy. We're talking about people who put politics before comedy. The politics Uh are more important than the comedy. Whereas, I honestly, I watched the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, I had some laughs. I had some laughs. There's some good material in there.
3: How many of them were nostalgic laughs? though? Some of them were
1: nostalgic. A lot of it's hacky. But there are, these are guys who who I will say about stand-ups in particular, and which is one of the other things that differentiates a lot of these guys from the quote-unquote uh right-wing comedians today is that these guys were and always have been stand-ups. That's what they did. They honed their craft, they went to clubs, they worked out their material. They're trying to get laughs. They're not trying to push a political agenda. So okay. they know the craft, they know the timing, they know the principles of They comedy. know what
3: a beat is.
1: They know what it is exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, Larry the Cable Guy it, that's an act. His name is not Larry, for one thing. Really?
3: Right? He's not a cable guy? <laughs> his name is not Larry. Life? He's
1: never <laughs> been a cable guy. That's not his real fucking voice, obviously. He's he's fucking friends with uh, Louis Black. Like, th- this is a guy who was doing stand-up in L.A. and came up with this persona that started getting laughs. And a lot of his earlier work is much more blue. He has, like, you know, uh, uh, comedy songs about titty, cl- titty clubs and stuff, right? This kind of thing.
2: Um,
1: so it's it's very strange to go back, and even my notions, not really remembering what it was, the Blue collar Comedy Tour, going back and watching it and having that a little bit challenged is very strange. Mm-hmm. That said, there's a lot of hack shit in there too. There is oh, a yeah. lot of just, you know, racist bullshit, like uh, the the type you would expect, stereotypes and whatnot, there's homophobic bits that they all do. All that kind of stuff is in
3: there. Yeah, I'd say even non-conservative comedians were doing those back in the day. I and mean, that's it's not, yeah, exactly. it's not hugely that's, shocking.
1: That is, that is absolutely true, right? That's 100% hacks are always going to be hacks. They're always there and they're always going to do them. Uh, even some of the great comedians have done hack bits that include homophobic material and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. But so that's one of the things that I was, I was a bit blown away by when I went back and looked at that, trying to prepare for all this, is that I still find those guys mildly funny. There is some good okay. material in there. There's some good stuff. Um, and over time, like they all, t- like Jeff Foxworthy has always been a clean comedian. His whole mm-hmm. thing has been making fun of rednecks, which is, you know, the group that he or his persona are part of. He's punching laterally. He's not punching down. A, a big part of the conservative comedy that isn't funny today is punching down. It's all mm-hmm. about punching down. It's about enforcing a political ideology. The politics come first. Um, and it's about, in large part, cruelty. A lot of it is cruel humor. And that's mm-hmm. the intent of it. And intent matters when it comes to comedy. Uh, right? Comedy, in a large part, is based around empathy and understanding. So just to go through those two really quick. Empathy, mm-hmm. obviously, the individual's ability to understand the emotions of others, as opposed to sympathy, right, which is feeling emotions for the situations of others. So the ability to understand other people's emotions is important in comedy because much of comedy is situational. And the mm-hmm. surprise, the humorousness of a situation arises from imagining the way that others would react or feel in those situations. That's mm-hmm. a, a large part of comedy, right? So empathy, very important. What was the other one I said? I have blanked out. <laughs> I
3: mean, sympathy. No. <laughs> oh, I see.
1: Uh, so empathy, and what was the other part I said that I blanked I out on No,
3: I wasn't listening.
1: Wow, that is hurtful, Benedict. <laughs> that is very hurtful.
3: Uh, but um, I mean, you know, I, I think. Sorry, I, I realize I haven't said anything for a while. So yes, me, I'd like you to say you, something. Is sort of no, what but I'm before, you, here. before you before you go well i think there's a few things there's
1: understanding was the other one
3: yeah so i mean which i think you can come in with empathy on that i think there's also a sense of with stand-up comedy good stand-up comedy feels fresh every time Mm -hmm. if you know what i mean yeah um and, and like obviously it's memorized bits every set is Right. Like nobody's doing a different set every night. Obviously, we know that like that's that's the thing. But it feels. Conservative comedy, the way you or political conservative comedy, the way you laid it out, we can just say conservative
1: comedy so we don't get stuck in the weeds of defining it every time we say it. Sure.
3: Well, Republican comedy, let's say Republican comedy then. Um, I'm just going to
1: stick with conservative comedy because it's easier.
3: Well, you just made the delineation. I know, but I,
1: I wanted to make the delineation and then still use the phrase that is easier to say. <laughs> okay,
3: fine, whatever. <laughs> whatever the fuck you want to call it, it feels much more paint by numbers yeah. than than organic. And that's that's the thing, I think, that makes it not funny is is like, it's the, I'm going to, it's like pressing button for laugh. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the easy big red button yes. that everybody is. and like, look, some of the most successful stand-up comedians, I don't know about here so much, but definitely in the UK, are hacks. Yeah. Like, you don't sell out an arena without being a bit of a hack. Mm-hmm. The average person thinks hacks are funny. That's why they're hacks. That's why being a hack works, right? And I know we all think we're above that. We're probably not. Like, we, you know, we we think the cerebral comedy, I'm sure we have our favorites. You have your favorites. I have my favorites. They're probably overlap. They're probably similar in many ways. They probably diverge in some ways. But like, yeah, hacks are successful because being a hack works. Yeah. But you have to be a good hack. And that's, I think, the thing.
1: Well, one of the things I had to do in, uh, I'm still writing the episode, obviously. That's not not what we're doing today. We're going to be doing it next time. But one of the things I had to do was limit the number of times I referenced Patton Oswalt as a comparison to the right wing comedians that we're talking about. I just had to because, like, I, I can't help but, like, there's so many areas of comparison. So, uh, going back to what I was talking about, though, I, I agree with, with a lot of what you said, and I want to expand on it a little bit. One of the things that I find important uh, is what I said, I, what I termed understanding. And I don't think mm. I, I meant it in the way that you understood it. So
3: important uh-huh. that you forgot that you said it.
1: Well, what I want to get down on, <laughs> I know, I forgot it. But what I, what I want to drill down on a little bit is the fact that right wing political comedy and this sort of goes to what you're talking about with hacks, it's not funny to us. Yeah. It's not funny to us. It is funny to the right wing. They do find it funny because, and I will say this, and this goes along sort of with the fact that the right has managed to politicize their audience and to consolidate their audience much more effectively than the left has. I
3: right? do. I So, okay, that is... True, but I also remember people thinking that woman miming along to Donald Trump's speeches was really funny. Yeah. And that's you know Does she have a Netflix show or something? Possibly. This is so this is the thing. I think we're much more willing to just roll our eyes at the liberal version of this and be like, "Yeah, that's dumb," mm-hmm. as opposed to like, "That's all liberal comedy," you know? Like, I, yeah. I, you know, I think, I think there, I think this exists on both sides, and I think not to both sides things, but I, I do, I do genuinely think it, like, hack political comedy. I think it's really difficult to do political comedy without being a hack.
1: You're probably right. You're probably, and in- I think
3: if you are doing political comedy where people can see what party you are, then you aren't doing it successfully, to me. Because, well, okay, so th- this is actually a famous thing that I didn't realize the first time I watched it. You know Veep? Yeah. I think maybe we've talked about this before. They never say what party she is. And both parties... Both. It? Yeah. No. They never say what party she is. And, and both, pe- like, everyone that watched that was like, haha, you really got the other side. Like, everyone thinks it's about the other side. Like, the Republicans think she's a Democrat. Democrats no. think she's a Republican. I'm pretty sure that I always sure assume she true. had
1: to be a Democrat because I think there's, like, you know, just vague references to, you know, centrist, centered left policies that she's in support of. I don't know about that, but no,
3: I, they never say.
1: You know, okay, I got to take this back to the thing that we talked Sorry, about before, carry on. which Sorry, is that. No, 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 no. I I like the observation. I just don't believe you. It's a. It's probably true. I don't doubt you, but I still don't <laughs> believe you. I, <laughs> I mean, I think she's
3: definitely you. like Democrat presenting, right. but like they never they never say which side she is.
1: That's very strange to me, but yeah. I think that goes back to a thing which is the we've talked about the study where they presented uh, articles or headlines from The Onion and headlines from Babylon B to people. Mm-hmm. And Republicans are much more likely to believe that Babylon B headlines are true versus yeah. uh, Democrats or people on the left believing that Onion headlines are true, which is, it says something about them. And I think that goes to another point about conservative comedy, which is a large... Okay, going back to... Before I get to that, going to my understanding, but what I meant about that, the fact that it's not funny to us is because we don't, for the large part, I think you and me might be two exceptions to this general rule, know or understand the worldview of the right. They live in mm-hmm. a very different world with a very different set of facts than we do. Mm-hmm. And so not having that shared understanding between audience and comedian, it's very hard to get or, or you know, like the comedy. That's one mm-hmm. of the things, right? So that's, I think that's a large part of it. So, you know, look, look um, I don't want to like step on the toes of what we're going to be talking about when we do this episode, because we're already getting a lot into the Yeah, yeah. I, I'm got, got really, yeah I, I don't know. Kind of I took different. us down this road where I'm like, I well, know, I know. About the
3: you didn't think I would show so Howard. much interest in the comedy.
1: Right. But so um, I, I would just want to say like briefly, like the things, the reasons why I think we say conservative comedy isn't funny. And I think. I don't know if there's an objective form of funniness or not. I don't know if that's a thing. I doubt that it is because I think it's all very subjective. But to us, on the left, I think a large part of this is we don't share their worldview. Um, the, the the issue with you know their different worldview being that obviously a lot of comedy is based in exaggeration. And that's part of the reason why you see under all those Babylon B videos we looked at a few weeks ago. Yep. People being like, this this is reality. This is a documentary. This is what's happening. About the real world. And that's a part of the reason why I think a lot of their comedy isn't even funny to them. Because even their attempts at exaggeration are really just very close to what the right actually thinks the world is. If they're doing satire, they're doing satire of themselves.
3: It's yeah, kind it's, of fucking nuts. That's true, yeah. It's perception, it, yeah. It no, is I,
1: I so, like but it. there's there's that issue. There is the inherent cruelty in so much of what they think is funny. They mm-hmm. just, it's aimed at hurting people. It's the fact that they're so disconnected from reality that just the premises don't make sense. If you understand anything about reality, right? If if you look at uh, a video where it's supposed to be a satire of CRT and it's they're teaching our kids to that uh, they should be uh, stabbing white kids in the chest, and it's like, well, that how. Where's where's the humor? There's just nothing nothing here. But anyways, so Benedict, we are here today to primarily, mm. after that long detour, talk Very about a man detour, yeah. by the name of
3: Steven Crowder.
1: Are you familiar?
3: Yes-ish. I mean not not uh yes. <laughs> I I'm trying to think of a way I to say Oh yeah, so so what I would say is I'm as familiar as I would like to be. I wouldn't say that I'm intensely familiar. Yeah, so Stephen
1: Blake Crowder uh, is a American slash Canadian. Huh? Huh? I is mean, isn't he, he just Canadian? I mean, he can never. No, he's. No, uh, so one of his parents is American. Oh, okay. Be- I thought he
3: had just moved here.
1: No, I believe his mother is Canadian. Uh, so he was born in Detroit. Um, oh, okay. His mother is French Canadian, and they moved to Montreal when he was about three years old. So that's how. So he's
3: Stephen Crowder? <laughs> 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 uh,
1: uh, uh, that should be by law the only way you are allowed to refer to him. That really should be the case. It really should be. Uh, but Stephen is actually a child actor, uh, fun fact. That explains a lot. It does. <laughs> at the age of 12, uh, he voiced the character Alan Powers on the, I don't know if you had this in the UK, but Arthur, are you familiar with Arthur at all? The Odd rock? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. I didn't know you had Arthur in the UK. Yeah, I thought It yeah, was just yeah, an American no. thing. I have no Theme idea. Theme song
3: was done by Bob Marley's son.
1: Ah, there we go. Fun facts. There uh, you go. But so he then started performing, apparently performing stand-up comedy around the age of seventeen, uh, and he uh, had several movie roles, small-time movie roles. Interesting. But by the time he started, you know, it's
3: funny how many of the people that end up as like successful right-wing commentators wanted to be involved in Hollywood in some yep. way. Yeah. Yep.
1: Oh, it's. They're neat. Oh, God. At at this point, we talked about so many of them. It's almost like we can't do an episode just about failed TV people who ended up being right-wing pundits because we'd just be like, oh, all of them. All of them. It would just be a list of names. It would be a list of names. The whole episode would be. Uh, But by around 2009-ish, he started getting involved actively with uh, conservative media, Uh, starting off with doing satirical videos for PJ Media. I don't know if you're familiar with PJ Media at all, right? It's a pretty pretty bad uh, website founded by a billionaire. So, and it's...
3: That could describe most websites, to be fair. (laughs)
1: It's pretty bad. Um, And then he got got involved with Andrew Breitbart, uh, who had uh, a thing called Big Hollywood, which is, yeah, strange. Uh, But anyways, somehow he he caught people's eye. And I, I like to think, my imagination is, it's because, you know he's slightly more humorous than the rest of what they have to offer. I mean, mean,
3: he's certainly charismatic for what it's worth. I mean, He he has
1: the cadence of comedy down, right? Which is something you can't say about a lot of right-wing comedians. They they don't even have the very basics of understanding delivery, performance, cadence, all that stuff. But maybe since Crowder had been acting since he was a young child, he Mm -hmm. really got a little bit of this down. So maybe that has a little bit to do with a lot of it, right? Um, And by 2011... He was the Master of Ceremonies at the CPAC held in... Oh, I had written down where it was, but I don't... Uh, I thought I wrote down where it was. But he was the Master of Ceremonies at CPAC in 2011. Which is weird, right? To think... Yeah. That, he's, he's only, by the way, he's only 36. He's only a few years older than us. And that's in 2011, when he was, you know, early 20s, he was Master of Ceremonies at CPAC. So, that's nice. That
3: also, I, I think the the... What it requires to become successful on the right is so much less, which is why you see so many of these, like, Enfant Terrible types mm-hmm. that become like, oh, yeah, he's like he's so young, but he's doing so well. It's like, yeah, because there's no one else that has any talent.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, he had... Um, you know, we're going to watch some videos of him. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll talk about it when we get to it. I will say he had a handful of okay hack bits. Like, okay. they're hack bits, but they got a chuckle. They got a chuckle cuz from were, you from me. Or, yeah, they were uh, fun. Okay. They were fine. He has one bit we're going to watch which is like uh, you know, in you know, one of the things that is it, intent matters in comedy. Yep. And since we know the intent, it's hard to laugh at this stuff, but it is also on some other level like absent that intent, this joke is meh. It's okay. a meh joke,
3: <laughs> which is it's like you'd exactly get a, you'd get a you medium
1: want. chuckle from a, a room of people at a comedy club. Like, it'd be fine. Yeah. But anyway, so Steven, he started to rise up through the ranks, right? He started off uh, on Fox News. And that is where he got uh, his first—I don't know if this was his first big gig. But that is where he appeared for the first time on Fox's program Red Eye, are you familiar with Red Eye? I am not, in fact, no. So Red Eye is Greg Gutfeld's first late night. Oh, comedy maybe
3: program. we've talked about it then. If it's yeah. Gutfeld, so, Gutfeld,
1: and, and we're going to definitely talk about Red Eye when we get to the the main comedy episode. Uh, Red Eye is a show that I I watched back in the day. Uh, it was usually on around three a.m. Eastern time. That is
3: so. Yeah. Okay, we have talked about this. Yeah. Then.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like literally. Well, it's either this or infomercials. So I guess Greg <laughs> so can guess have it's an hour. eye, baby. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> like that's low budget. Who gives a shit? Let him do his thing. And yeah, that is that's where it's
3: low, low risk, low budget. That's exactly what you want from comedy.
1: And you know, it's it's worth mentioning that as Stephen was sort of one of the faces of the youth movement within the right at this time. Uh, he was very active in a lot of circles pushing far-right weirdo Christian stuff around then. Because that was a big trend, along with the pseudo-libertarianism of folks like Ben Shapiro, right? The Christian nationalism that was nascent then and sort of has risen to the forefront uh, with shitwads like Nick Fuentes and others, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Charlie Kirk and all those, that was definitely going on back then, and he was definitely inspired by it. And one of Stephen's big positions at the time was on abstinence. He was a big abstinence I
3: remember this vaguely, I think.
1: Yes, and I think you're going to. Did we watch this
3: already? No, I don't think we
1: have, but I think you're going to remember this clip when I start playing it, uh, because it's been, everyone knows about this, I think. But this is when uh, Steven Crowder was on Red Eye, along with, this is strange Uh, to say, Amy Schumer, who was on Red Eye. And that's part of the reason, honestly, I liked Red Eye back in the day. They had on guests that you would not expect to be on Fox News. It also had on horrible white supremacist douchebags uh like Gavin McInnes and shit like that. But fucking Amy there, uh, Schumer. To be was fair, on red less light.
3: white supremacist at the time, to be
1: Sure, sure. Uh but here we go. Why don't we just jump right into the clip of Amy Schumer fucking demolishing Stephen Crowder in a Great. way that can only be described as um uh Cruel. <laughs> I was going to go with, oh God, why am I blanking on the name of the guy who got Donald Trump to run for president? Um, you know who I'm talking about. Seth Meyers. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Seth Myersing Stephen Crowder is the phrase I would go sure. for with it.
4: It helps form a bond stronger than something really strong. I speak not of polydent, but of abstinence, at least according to a young man. So... That is oh, something that,
3: that was a was that a dentures joke? It there? was a dentures yeah, joke. Cause. That
1: is something that Greg carries forward to this day on Gutfeld. It's like t- trying to do constant turns of phrase. And the funny thing is, so often they are so strained trying to fit into whatever the topic is, because he doesn't have good writers, but they no. strain it so far, trying to get it to match whatever they're gonna talk about, that they just don't make any fucking sense. Um, yep. I would recommend people go watch the Some More News video on uh, conservative comedy because he goes over a great guy. he like breaks down line by line a gut uh... simile that he's writing that just makes no Jesus. sense whatsoever. Okay, it's Good. pretty
4: funny. A man named Stephen Crowder, hmm, who's he? Who argues in his latest call that abstinence is kind of awesome. Crowder muses on why abstinence remains a punchline despite offering plenty of benefits to being friends without benefits.
1: Forget that abs. Look, that's a halfway decent joke. It's a halfway decent turn uh, of phrase. It's not I, bad. I,
3: I, I guess.
1: And, it's, and this is what I'm saying: conservative comedy, uh, or you know, this, that's not even conservative comedy. That's just a lame joke coming that's out a of pun. the mouth it's of a what It is
3: what community. that is.
1: Right, coming out of the mouth of con- when you don't put the politics into it, they are capable of being funny. They just are. Absinthe leads to approximately zero STDs or studies.
4: That show at least in successful marriages, it's the unbeatable bond of trust that's the real prize.
1: Yes, yeah, says Crowder. There's no more. Um, I should point out, just you know, given the nature of this show, that all of that is a hunk of fucking lies, uh, and mm. that people who uh, remain abstinent don't have more successful marriages. It's just bullshit that they make up. That's what it is. Cool. Worrying about your significant other cheating on you. Sample size of one,
4: Steven Crowder. Great. You, because partners can be supremely confident in their respective self-control. Unlike the inventors of the new South American butt dance.
1: Yeah, so he just plays a clip of some people doing a dance that involves a lot of humping. Um, okay. And that's supposed to be the joke. I'm not sure why it's a joke. But yeah, they're, they, I've never claimed they had good writers. That is
5: incredible.
1: That's
4: that's yeah. just that is not I think he got a concussion That'll put me off sex forever. Steve, uh, here's my question. It's admirable. When do you stop? When do you stop with the abstinence How will you know it's time?
1: I would say you stop when you have sex is
4: when you yeah, stop. that abstinence. is that
3: is when one would stop. Yeah, I'd say that that's well,
5: it. Once you have a ring on your finger, obviously mm. the only way to know for sure is once you're married. And of course, it's this, this people know I'm a Christian. This column is not at all pushing faith in anybody. It's just talking about the actual benefits. If you really want to argue for abstinence, you can stop the argument and be abstinent. Don't get sick and die.
2: Yeah,
1: but so I mean, yeah, if you don't put your thing in a thing, then you're not going to get a thing from that other if thing. If you
3: don't put your thing in a thing, wow. <laughs> but,
1: you know, uh, Stephen, plenty of other diseases you can get without putting a thing in a thing. Um, and I'd rather have, have fun and enjoy my life. That's just the way I feel about it.
5: Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I can say from personal experience that the, it does build a bond of trust. Constantly you hear women. How often you hear, wait, well, don't you trust?
1: Stephen's bond of trust, uh, as we will talk about in a little bit, so strong, Benedict. So strong.
5: She was like, "No, you slept with me on the first date, mm-hmm. so of course I don't trust." It's you. that
4: old thing, like I uh, would join a club that would let me into that club, right? You know, it's yeah. you know,
5: she's gonna sleep with me, then she'll you sleep with the You just because Canadian, they won't yeah. let me in. Yeah, except for Canadian club uh, ginger ale. Amy,
1: yeah. do you, so I mean, I, I just okay, the fact that Greg butchered the Groucho Marx joke of I wouldn't join any club that would have me as a member. I, how, yeah. That's
3: It's so easy to remember. Too. I wouldn't walk in the door of a place that would open the door for me. It would, yeah. I wouldn't
1: be a member of a place that would have me as a member. Ha, I wear a funny mustache. No, that's not the way it went, Greg. Do you, Do you have any thoughts? thoughts on this? Yes,
2: but also, you know, if I sleep with a guy on the first date. Usually if, if a guy holds my hand, he's going to wind up... <laughs> so here's the thing. I don't think that... I don't pen, think that... Pen.
1: I love that... Amy, her face is serious, and she wasn't telling a joke there. She just swore. Like no, it's I mean, for her. Is, that that's is how clearly, she
3: talks. that is clearly a joke. I mean, it's a it's a it's a surprise the sure, surprise the conservatives with, sure, with language joke.
1: Fine, but the fact that they're all losing their minds over it's I think. Is look, a well,
3: uh, I, that's the other thing. I think a well placed swear word can be a, can be a joke in itself. It,
1: can, it absolutely can be. I don't know. I'm just looking at Amy's face, and I'm like. Doesn't exactly look like she's uh, trying to...
3: Can I introduce you to the concept of deadpan humor?
1: (laughs) Yes,
5: you can.
2: I don't think that women should use sex as a bargaining chip, and a lot of them do if I want to sleep with someone I do it and I I am a monogamous slot can I say that on yeah, air? I think you can. Right. that's uh, not
5: we're about about what we're worried about but what I'm saying there.
2: is what I'm yeah I have a higher risk of disease I also have a much higher risk of fun no no I'm not saying that what
5: I'm saying is to prove my point by saying that you know you don't think it should be used as a bargaining tool yeah I mean, as far as you know it is just the kind of point of the column is that abstinence is the one taboo issue regarding sex I mean it's like oh it'll be a dirty stand-up comic you're cracking it's
1: not taboo you've been fucking pushing it for decades well and it hasn't okay. worked
3: it's It's weird that he's like, hey, I'm a comedian, but I've written this serious column about abstinence, but also I'm going to go on a comedy show to talk about it. Like, the, there's a and weird disconnect. completely serious and not do any exactly. jokes while talking about it. Exactly, yeah, he's not it. joking. Like, I, I, Obviously, I haven't read the column, but, like, was it a funny column? or no. like, Or was it an attempt to be a funny column? Or no. was it just a It was just it was an, an article a, this about is abstinence. That's my, my understanding. Yeah, I article. haven't read it
1: either, but that's my understanding. He just wrote an article about abstinence.
3: See, that's the thing. They're just, they they have political motivations, but think that the comedy is the, I don't know. Like
1: I said, the comedy comes second yeah politics comes first. That's what makes them unfunny in a large
5: part. Back in new ground there, Copernicus. But once you talk about abstinence, everyone all of a sudden, they put you, like, right now we have to talk about it. Because who is this kid who's talking about abstinence, who, you know...
2: Well, it's who is this kid who's, you know, 23. You don't know who you're going to be sexually yet. So to talk about it with such authority and arrogance... I don't know
5: who I'm going to be what?
2: You don't know who you're going to be sexually yet. You're going to be into really weird things in about a decade. Oh, I
5: have no <laughs> doubt.
2: <laughs> I... Boy, was she right, as it turns out. <laughs> Whew. Boy, was she right. No doubt. Yeah. Trust me. And the thing is, it doesn't, but I really should be do no... Want to...
1: Turns out she even got the timing about right in yeah. about a decade.
0: But there should about. be no
2: confidence. There, there, and, you know, Look, you nobody should the, have the confidence in anything thing, But Honestly, you call yourself a comedian, but you don't do it that much. Like, I go fishing a couple times a year, but I don't introduce myself on TV as a fisherman. Wow.
1: Ooh, mic drop, buddy! Steven's right. face. I, I should have shared this video with you so you could see Steven's face. He is dying inside. He is dying inside.
3: Was so, he doing so stand-up at this point? Or what's the what uh, he, well his...
1: apparently he has done stand-up. And we're gonna watch a little bit of his stand-up great. in a little bit. It's not great. But yeah, um, he's just got he, he's dying inside because one of the most popular comedians in the world just shit all over his dream, and it's
3: beautiful to see. Okay. Wow.
1: So, yeah, I think we're uh that's all I wanted to get out of that video. That's the moment and you hear I played a little bit there Stephen went, "Wow." <laughs> just...
3: It is it, it is wow.
1: <laughs> it's so wonderful. It's really so beautiful. So, but Stephen, you know, this time he was 23 in that clip, right? So that must have been tw- uh, 2010-ish sometime uh, around. Look, there, I look, I
3: wouldn't want to be on national TV age 23. I would say some dumb shit and be run all over by like people who have way more experience in the field than me like nobody should be allowed to be on TV i don't think until they've lived a little life true
1: you know there is something to be said for that that a lot of these people who are major problems the Ben Shapiro's and whatnot they did start young, and maybe that does have something to do with the fact. I think that it just—I so think it does
3: make that. you a bit of a contrarian. It has to because you have to say things. Well, whatever. Not to be like young people don't know anything, but like. No, I—I I, I think I, I get what you're saying. I don't want to interrupt you, but I get what you're saying, and I think if I can just
1: put my point on it. Sure. I think yeah. Please interrupt me
3: and be, say something completely different. <laughs> when you're
1: younger, you are less inclined to take criticism, understand it, and try and grow from it. Yeah, you are more true. inclined to push back. And I think maybe that leads into that contrarian nature.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, maybe part of it. Cool. So okay. Stephen, obviously, this is uh, early on in his career. He went on, obviously. We know about what he's been doing recently. Um, in 2012, he was an anti-union pro- uh, protest uh, when he was uh, in the middle of, shall we say, a fracas. Uh, <laughs> a fracas. A fracas, as you To will. give it How its French-Canadian it name.
3: Yes. Yeah, fracas. <laughs>
1: When uh, So they were at uh, Americans for Prosperity uh, thing in Michigan. Did he get punched? Yeah, this is what I was about to mention, Okay, ben-
3: yeah, I vaguely mean, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh
1: So a bunch of union activists began to tear down the Americans for Prosperity tent. Good for them. Fuck those assholes. Um, and they were successful in doing so. Uh, during uh, this had there was a little bit of an altercation and a union guy got pushed to the ground near Crowder. I don't know if Crowder pushed him. I wouldn't say he didn't push him. And then the union guy stood back up and beat the ever-loving fuck out of Steven Crowder's face mm-hmm. in a movement, in a moment that can only be described as Pepe the Frog describing-esque. That is the only other thing I can describe it as. Okay. Fucking glorious. I love every minute of it. As we always say on the show, you should not go punch fascists in the face. But if you happen to punch fascists in the face, we might laugh about it. It might be worth laughing about. Yeah. So after that, Stephen began to move on, right? Uh, And he uh, went on to have a a relatively successful career. Uh, He had a relationship with Fox News up until about 2013, which he was just... A regular contributor, he would go on. Uh, he uh, then ev- eventually men- made some negative comments about Fox News and Sean Hannity uh, that probably hurt his career for a little while. And then in 2017, the more recent day, which is I think is what is more important, he began his Louder with Crowder program,
3: mm-hmm. which
1: is supposedly a comedy show. And I YouTube, will say it's it's a
3: skit show, is it or it,
1: they do skits. It's mostly a talk show. It's mostly Stephen talking. Like and uh, honestly it is described as a comedy show by people like Stephen. Uh, uh, and I don't know it is. I will say it's a political talk show that sometimes tries to do comedy is the way I would describe it.
3: Because the it's majority kind of It's of long, stuff. right? It's like a 3-hour show or something.
1: Um I think I I haven't watched any full episodes. I've only watched clips of things. But the thing I think he's most known for is his change my mind section. Right. Which is where it's he used to do illegal. that on
3: college campuses. Right. As yes. Well. That
1: was the origin of it. So he would go to a college campus, set up a table with a sign on it that said some bullshit topic and then change my mind. And obviously doing this, the whole goal was Stephen comes prepared with a bunch of bullshit statistics that he can throw out at unaware co-eds and try and show how dumb the left is for trying to challenge him on all of these ideas. Right. It's not uh, Dave
3: Rubin, unfortunately. I, I wish you we were doing it, Dave know,
1: Rubin. They, They've done plenty of stuff together. So I'm sure they have, a yeah. Of, a lot of crossover. That's something we're going to talk about a little bit at some point is all the crossovers with all this stuff. Um, like, yeah, you th-
3: it's like if we had guests on our podcast, we would <laughs> grow the podcast, but we just don't do it. That's why so. we don't
1: do it, because we don't want to grow. Also, it's so hard to schedule a third person to sit down and talk. It is, talk. True, it's yeah. like fuck, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like, hey, looking at my calendar, I have 2 p.m. open on Tuesday or I have any time after 5 on Saturday. I think, Saturday. to be
3: fair, most people pre-record much earlier than we do.
1: Yeah, probably also true. But again, I'm also lazy. So yep. uh, his show you know, is also a podcast. It goes out as a podcast. Um, you know, Research have looked at it. Researchers have looked at it and they have, have noticed that there is a lot of Uh, particularly for Steven and this is strange um, demeaning comments and Asian stereotypes for some reason that seems to be a group that Steven focuses on a lot and I think it's because he thinks that Asian accents are funny and yeah there's I'm not playing you any of Steven's Asian accent bits today I'm not gonna be doing any of that for you so Steven has uh, regularly violated online policies for various social media sites right um, he's had uh, several strikes on Facebook and YouTube and whatnot, as well as on Twitter. But he on Rumble better. now? Um, I think that's where his show is primarily now, because he got suspended in October of 2022, um, uh, on YouTube. And I think that's when he said basically, yeah, we're going to... Was it Rumble? It might have been Rumble. I can't remember. Um, but it was after that, of course, that he eventually had Alex Jones on and had an whole episode where he was agreeing with Alex on all of Alex's bullshit conspiracy theories. Because the right sees it in their own best interest to promote even further right people so that they can pretend that they're reasonable in comparison, I guess. Seems to be... Yeah, I mean, I do also think it's... Strategy.
3: Yeah, I, do. I well, that, but also I think it's something of, like, there's a topic laundering that goes on, but that's fine. That's for a different time.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, last two things, really, to talk about with Steven. I mean, I know this episode hasn't gone very in-depth on Steven, but we spent so long talking about bullshit at the beginning that, like, at this point, we're we're pretty much near the end. And, and honestly, I, I think Steven is important in the right-wing media ecosphere. I don't think he's interesting enough to really devote that much thought to because his shtick is very simple. His shtick is edgy humor aimed at young people on the right, Uh, people who don't have a well-developed sense of comedy, who don't have a well-developed sense of reality or the world or facts or anything like that, and to suck them in to the mug club and get all their cash as fast as he can before he's kicked off of every social media site when his malfeasance is uh, uh, revealed to the world, which is what we will talk about now, better. So, mm-hmm. very recently in Steven's life, a couple of uh, things happened sort of all at once to him, right? Mm-hmm. So, in January of 2023, uh, he revealed on his show that he had received a term sheet from a conservative media outlet, which he did not mention at the time, mm-hmm. and that he was criticizing this media outlet, for this offer that he was doing, uh, and that uh, they were in bed with big tech that was
3: part oh, of his cool. complaints.
1: It was then revealed almost immediately after by CEO of the Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring, that it was them that Stephen was angry at. I think we all sort of remember this going down at yep, the time. I remember. And that led to basically everyone on the right cutting ties with Stephen. From Candace Owens to Ben Shapiro, they all just the fucking hated him. Go ahead. sorry i interrupted
3: sorry no just interesting who run you know who like who, where the power truly lies in conservative media
1: yeah and you know <laughs> was that a joke about ben shapiro uh <laughs> you can't set me up for that not expect it, me to take a swing
3: it was not uh, but thank you for swinging <laughs>
1: But so, uh, uh, so much of this, like, there, there's so much bullshit there, and there are people who have gone over it. I think uh, it was either Jose or Sean, the YouTubers, who went over the whole thing and did a great YouTube video out, about it. I'll try and find it and link it in the show notes if you want more about this specific incident. But a lot of it came down to Stephen wanted more money. In fact, Stephen wanted a ridiculous amount
3: of money. Well, they offered him like $5 million a year, didn't they, or something?
1: They, yes, they offered him a ridiculous amount of money, and Stephen thought he was worth... A ludicrous amount
3: of money. Didn't he call himself a slave or something? Like yes, see, you, yeah, he yeah, compared okay.
1: himself to a slave.
3: See, yes, apparently was, I have yeah, retained the... all this fucking information <laughs> I without can't really...
1: wanting... I know, honestly. I love when you remember these social media but... bullshit things that happen. <laughs> it's so fun to me. It really is very fun to me. Uh, but so... This is because
3: I have parasocial relationships with people online. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, and this led, of course, to a falling out between all of them. And it was shortly after all of that, in April of 2023, uh, that another bit of bad news came out for Stephen. And I don't want to make like uh, make light of the fact that Stephen is a fucking creep and a spouse abuser, right? I don't want to make light of any of that. Uh, but it does turn out that uh, uh, videos came out, I believe they were released by Candace Owens, um, of security cameras in Steven's home, another reason never to have cameras in your own home, uh, not that you should be abusing people anyways, if you don't have cameras, but you know, yeah. uh, don't, don't abuse people.
3: That's you. generally, if people
1: saw the stuff I did in my home alone, we would lose all of our listeners mm-hmm. just watching me dancing in the living room. Or we might really
3: gain bad. like one really into it. <laughs> listener. Uh,
1: I never stop getting DMS for feet pics. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Listen, well, so you
3: gotta do what you gotta out. do. Life's tough.
1: And showed Stephen abusing his wife. I'm not going to, like, try and... and
3: show v- verbally, there, right? right? I mean, I think... Ver- it's, right, there it's, was no physical that we the, know that. of. There was uh, no uh, on the... There's no, yeah, on camera. On the camera, nothing. right.
1: Yeah. Uh, but we, he was physically abusing his abusing his wife. Verbally, uh, not ver- physically. Uh, sorry, I said it backwards. Um, yep. Yelling at her for failing to perform her wifely duties when she was eight months pregnant, by the way. I by.
3: can't believe that anyone uses the phrase wifely duties outside of the context of, like, a... Cards Against Humanity game. Like, it's...
1: We're, we're talking about a guy who got ass-blasted by Amy Schumer over his stance on abstinence. Didn't He's okay. the guy who's gonna use the term wifely duties.
3: Didn't he also have elective surgery that he pretended was heart yes. surgery? Uh, okay, we're gonna get a, to that. He had an
1: operation okay. where titanium bars were put into his chest. So, to be fair, right, apparently he had a congenital condition, uh, which caused, like, sunken chest and it caused uh, the surgery afterwards, rather, caused fluid to accumulate in his lungs. Now, I don't I'm know sorry. if the congenital condition was something that is is serious and needed surgical intervention for medical reasons or if it was mostly cosmetic. I don't know. Um, but he did have a condition of some kind for that
3: surgery. It's interesting because he's like quite a big dude, right? Like he's a uh, he's, he's not. Yeah.
1: And if, if you look at his show, if you watch him on his show, he's sitting behind a desk and. He's very broad shoulders. He always has fucking guns around him because he's a big tough man who needs guns all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, he, he just looks looks like a dude who goes to the gym a couple times a week. Like, yeah, he's a big dude. Um, but so all this sort of fell out and left Stephen sort of none the, none the better because uh, along with all the information about him abusing his wife, the other stuff that came out was about the way Stephen behaves in the workplace. Mm. Notably, the fact that he would regularly show his penis to his employees.
3: Why do people always do that? I just don't un- like. What are you doing,
1: Benedict? Um, I'm I'm glad to say that in this workplace, neither of us have ever shown our penises to each other. Yeah,
3: that's. I mean, you know, <laughs> look.
1: Uh, but uh, as it turns out, a lot of right wing comedians or people who are, you know, th- there's something about edge lords, and and I also want to say, the people who go in on Stephen for being secretly in the closet or he's secretly gay. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, it, look, it might be true. It might be the fact that Stephen is bisexual or pansexual or whatever, and he's, because of all this Christian repression, he's unable to admit it or be true to himself and his nature, and it's led him to act strangely. I can say for myself as someone who was once a right-wing douchebag who was in the closet that I, yeah, I did some strange shit, Uh, related to my repression of my own sexuality. Um, But that doesn't make the act acceptable. It doesn't make any of the actions done acceptable just because of that. And it certainly isn't good to make fun of someone for being in the closet. Now, if he were to come out and change his ways and be a better person, that's one thing. And on that respect, like, my position has always been along with my own experience of that, of coming out and changing and all that, that I don't have the ability to demand that anyone forgive my ba- my past behavior.
2: Mm-hmm. I can
1: only try to be a better person and hope that someday I earn that forgiveness. That's the only yep. way it is. But I do wanna say, for the record, nobody should make be making those shitty jokes about him being in the closet. That's just mm-hmm. shitty, you shouldn't fucking do that. Same thing with the bullshit about Lauren Bobert being a fucking prostitute. A, yep. that stuff was all fucking fake. B, don't fucking criticize sex work, it's fucking work. Fuck you. Uh, so anyways, Benedict, you know, that's the Steven Crowder story
3: in a Can we nutshell. listen to some of his stand-up, please? We're going to listen
1: to a little bit of oh, a stand-up, yeah. Benedict. Because Thank you me. ask and daddy provides. That's it. Uh, <laughs> so Don't it,
3: get your penis out. Now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sitting back down
3: now.
1: <laughs> uh, so the clip I have for you of Steven's stand-up, this is Steven at t Midwest from wow. about 11 years ago. Um, I will say that I watched this. And there's plenty of cringe, there's plenty of hack bits, and there are one or two ha ha moments.
3: I don't think there's any, to be fair, any stand-up from 11 years ago that I would watch and be like, yeah, this is good.
1: Uh, all of Patton's specials. That's about it. All of Patton's. Yeah,
3: but I bet even his I bet even he said some. some oh, bad he's got. Things. Oh
1: yeah, and Patton has owned up to it. Like, you know, been like, and, and same thing. Another person I would point to. Maybe the corollary of a Steven Crowder, someone who got famous young, is like a Bo Burnham um yeah you know Bo burnham has been very open about the fact that he was a fucking kid doing stupid shit and looking yep. back he cringes at a lot of it and he wouldn't well, do it yeah. again it, yeah and you i mean i don't i it. don't
3: know how he's evolved as a person since but like eddie murphy as well is another example of, right. like did some very homophobic bits back in the day
1: yeah i mean like like raw the the big first uh eddie murphy special has like AIDS no, jokes. No, Delirious. And, delirious is the first was one. Was it Delirious? Okay, yeah. well, I'm thinking of Raw. Raw is the one that I know has AIDS jokes. And, cause yeah, one, Delirious with, has the the a one joke about The with the shiny le- red leather outfit, you know? Like, That's there's Delirious. There's great jokes in that. That's and hilarious. Eddie Murphy, probably not a good example since he just does like movies for families now. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's changed or maybe he's just gotten old. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Benedict, let's watch some Steven Crowder comedy.
0: You right Ooh, you are,
3: are you guys ready to party? Who the fuck is that? Is that Steven? That's Steven. Oh. That's wow. Steven
1: okay. doing uh Are you guys ready to party?
3: Doing his best high-voiced Sam Kennison impression.
0: Just... <laughs> I guess.
3: That's racist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. So uh, we the, the this video like the very beginning of his set is cut off like when he walks out on stage so I don't know what was the origin of that bit there but I think in context because the last thing he says is we voted for Obama 2012 and then he says that's racist and so I think he might have been doing like a version of a racist black woman impression might have been what was going on cool there. Um, and he and so I, that goes to a part of what the problem is with conservative comedy. Is that so much of it is aimed not at producing humor, but the humor for the right comes from the idea of triggering the libs?
3: Yeah, I'd say it's never timeless because what triggers the libs changes every five minutes. So right,
1: and none of it actually triggers the
3: libs. Some lips. of it does. No, it does. I, like
1: I, you know, honestly, I can't. I haven't seen, and I've been watching a lot of conservative comedy lately. I haven't seen a single thing that like upset me at all now to be fair i also you're not easily upset i also have a much thicker skin than most people because i spend so much of my time in this world but yeah and it's so much of it is about triggering the libs that's like that's the laugh line is imagining the the meme of uh the woman screaming at the trump inauguration right like that's that's the laugh line yeah is that's what's going to happen because i said this naughty thing
5: Oh man, we got a good group. Glad to be here. Do we have anyone here who's uh, served in the United States military? Anyone here by a round of applause? Yeah, give him a great round of applause. Stop. Good. Army, Air Force. Yeah. Stephen being a crowd right. Na- Navy Corpsman? We got a hey, couple here. We're not pulling
0: Stephen Crowder ah, up for nothing.
5: Hello?
1: You know what? Better joke than any we're going to hear from Steven <laughs>
3: right
5: now. Not good, still it's better. It's my than worst joke of
3: the Steven. episode, so...
5: <laughs> Horseman. Guten Korsman. That's how you say it, an Austrian, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh. I don't know what the joke was there other than, like, a non-sequitur.
3: Yeah, but you know what I'll say for him? At least he has some energy. Yes. Which a lot of, like, Dave Rubin, you watch him and you're like, Will uh, anybody uh, lesbian in the crowd? <laughs>
1: Trust me, Benedict, I will bring you some Dave Rubin comedy for you to see on one of these episodes here. But yeah, that's one thing about Steven is he's been in entertainment long enough, right? Being a child actor, that he understands the basics of performance.
3: Of you have to bring some fucking energy to a room full of people. Which is why even
1: on that red-eye clip when he was getting his ass beat by Amy Schumer, he was delivering unfunny lines, but he had the cadence, the rhythm, and the delivery. He was trying
3: to yes and, but his ands were bad.
1: (laughs) His ands were wow that hurt his (laughs) hands
3: were uh
5: glad to be here folks i gotta tell you really the only reason i'm here is because recently uh, a job application of mine was declined by acorn so
3: (laughs) that's a topical bet
1: it is it was around the time and i'll tell you this is one of those little jokes that got me a, a tiny chuckle because I know the right-wing understanding of the A- because I know the story of James O'Keefe and all of that. And so yep. I'm able to understand the
5: joke, and, and
1: I got a little chuckle out of it.
5: <laughs> to be fair, I did show up to the job interview dressed as a prostitute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a problem with the hooker thing. They were just looking to go younger, so... <laughs> 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 Uh, so I drove here, which is great, last time I came to Chicago, I took the Greyhound bus. Uh, and I don't want to say, if you take the Greyhound bus, you're ugly, but if you're ugly, you take the Greyhound bus. (laughs) Are you chuckling?
3: I, I laughed at that, yeah, but yeah. only because I know you've taken a Greyhound bus, because so it's deeply offensive.
1: Oh, <laughs> I take the train these days. My now friend.
3: you do, yeah. In your in your younger, uglier days, you took the Greyhound bus.
1: But you see, I think if I was Stephen, if I was putting together this set, I think I understand that he's front-loading the non-political bits. He's front-loading the comedy first. Yeah,
3: you got to get people on side.
5: Exactly, and and we'll hear how it goes from here.
3: So I drove here. Notice a really
5: disturbing trend in cars nowadays. I don't know if you folks have seen these uh, dream catchers. Is this is this thing is it working? Okay, thank you, sir. Thanks for you got my back. Appreciate it, Mr. Corpseman. Marine <laughs> Corps. Oh, come on. it's all the same in Austrian.
2: <laughs> Notice a disturbing
5: trend: dream catchers hanging from rear view mirrors in cars. You guys seen this? It's uh, this is his
1: Beth's Jerry Seinfeld uh, impersonation, by the way. That's basically what this joke is.
3: Cool.
5: Native American Indian contraption consists of wooden hoops and feathers, supposed to help you uh, sleep soundly. Bingo! Why the heck would you need a dream catcher in your car? I mean, it's one thing to fall asleep at the wheel, but to plan on it—that's That's selfish. Not to, to mention, I don't care if you do have a dream. So yeah, it, it's it's a fine bit. It's a fine bit. It's, I don't
3: it's ha- certainly not what I would open with.
1: It's a hack bit, but yeah. it's a fine bit. I mean, a lot of comedians will open with with a a lead in to make things seem natural. A story about how they got there or how they yeah, came to the city true. or something. You're like not that. wrong. It's sort of a natural bit of co- it's a hack bit, but it's fine. I'm sure Steven stole this bit from somebody. I'm sure he
5: did not come up with this bit, but it's fine. Dreamcatcher in your car okay if you fall asleep at the wheel with over 800 pounds of steel glass and gasoline behind you
3: it's gonna be a bad dream
5: <laughs> no one wakes
3: up from that refreshed stop explaining <laughs> the joke you should he's have stopped also... the joke was there we got it it's fine
1: <laughs> yeah we got it he's beating it into the ground a little bit
5: of course uh, I, I did grow up in canada Thanks. Uh, <laughs> now I live in New York. Sorry, thank you, sir. Now I live in New York City. Uh, one day decided I was going to go to New York and make it as a comic, nothing but the uh, microphone in my hand, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, I said I'm going to go to New York Made make as a comic with a shirt on my back, three clean pairs of underwear, uh, two actually. After I went through Spanish Harlem, um, <laughs> <laughs> I into- because he's
1: white and they're not in Spanish Harlem. And that's scary.
3: Yeah, then he shot himself. That's the joke. get dirt. it,
5: Benedict? You get it? So a guy there, he got mad. He's like,
1: oh,
3: <laughs> hey, man. Oh, the good thing, are?
5: Okay? Oh, I know your kind.
0: I know how people treat my people. I'm like, whoa.
1: So that little bit right there is part of the reason where I started to think that, the, that, that Stephen can only do a, a racist Asian accent. He's not exactly capable of many other types of accents. They all sort of lean into the race. Of I beings. think
3: that's uh, a. I think he's trying to do um, a Freddie Prince Senior knockoff.
1: I, I think that might be what he's going for, but it's not quite successful, is it? Have
3: you seen that? Hit like Freddie Prince's first appearance on, I think, on Johnny Carson show.
1: Uh no, I'm not the, a thousand years old.
3: No, but it's it's one of like the because he because he died so young. It's one of the like. And apparently I think that was, like, the first time that Johnny ever, like, invited the stand-up comic over after the after his bit to sit with the main guest.
1: Why do you know so much about
3: Carson? Because I am a student of comedy, <laughs> as you can tell by how fucking funny I am naturally without any writing. So... Yeah,
1: yeah. But uh, so, yeah, this, so this portion, that. right? This goes Anyway, I from,
3: think he's trying to do a Freddie Prince Jr. Right. Jr. not Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> Freddie Prince Sr. <laughs> bit.
1: But you know, one of the mainstays of conservative comedy is casual racism. Um, it has to creep in wherever it can because it's uh, relatable to the audience. It's sort of what they expect. They they want some funny voices from those people. Because mm. there aren't any of those people sitting in this audience. So It's an object to be laughed at. That's what it is. Oh,
5: man, I'm from Canada. We don't even have your people. okay? Because you guys got some thugs here in the States, right? I know, I watch MTV. The worst part is, I don't know if you've noticed this trend in these rap videos, these gangsters all wear earrings. But that's not intimidating.
1: Another stolen hack bit. Like, that's, that's it's a stolen hack bit. That's all that is. That's all that can be described
3: as. That's not supposed to be intimidating. It's supposed to show how much money you have. (laughs) That's not like, the gun is intimidating. That's what's supposed to be intimidating.
1: So, uh, that is Stephen in his early career, Benedict. I wanted to give you a taste of that. And i we'll finish off the show uh, with something. I I figured, you know, how do I get the best idea of how truly funny Stephen is? And, I think, as we all know, the way to do that is to go on YouTube and to search Stephen Crowder funniest moments and see okay. what pops up. Uh, is it a
3: bunch of people making fun of Stephen Crowder? Cause... No,
1: I found an actual fan video of okay. someone who clearly likes Stephen. Okay. Uh, uh, and this is, of course, mostly from his, his more recent f- career from Louder with Crowder. Um, uh, this I'll post it. All these videos will be obviously in the show notes so you can see them if you want to. This video, to be fair, only has 259 views, but it is but it clearly is someone, who is, it is someone who is actually a fan of Crowder, who went out of their way to create a video and post it to YouTube. So I thought it's worth taking a look um, and seeing what he has to offer uh, in more recent times. So why don't we just start off and see where this goes?
5: The show. Just uh, just cleaning my, my carry piece here, my SIG.
1: So that, that is like steven's producer sidekick guy uh person who has probably seen steven's penis uh doing this uh little beginning bit here and uh yeah it, it's gonna be all about guns
5: 238. Nice firearm <laughs> okay this is fu- i didn't know that you carried a 380. Right. i didn't know, that's fine that's that's fine for you i just i wouldn't be caught dead without at least a nine millimeter when i leave the house oh <laughs> what I had there's just a misunderstanding clearly. Don't I just, get cute. That's funny. You say that because that that's just my that's my ankle piece for my ankle holster. I don't leave the house with any less than Glock 2145
3: bigger and bigger guns. out. It gets bigger
1: just, and bigger yeah, and eventually yeah. one of them pulls out a bazooka cool. and it's like I only because small guns are for people with no penises Benedict. Get the joke, it's yeah. so fun. That was the lead-in clip to the Stephen Crowder, title of the video, by the way, Stephen Crowder Best Roasts and Funny Moments Compilation.
3: Okay, you've got one more before I get bored and stop uh-huh.
1: listening. So. Let's move on to the next one, uh, and I can't even explain to you what this one is supposed to be,
0: if I'm being entirely honest. ...fortunate circumstances. Uh, before we get to questions, for those asking uh, the proper steps to be taking at this current moment, given how little information is known, we will uh, advise you on the proper precautionary measures. Uh, which is uh, most important, thoughts and prayers, the families affected, and of course, naturally changing your Twitter avatar. Yeah, what about the... Uh, I,
1: I, maybe the, it's in response to something that happened in the UK, some sort of tragedy, and it's a joke about how people change their Twitter photo? in yeah. response to that kind of thing.
3: That seems right.
1: Just fine. It's fine, I guess, if you're gonna make fun of that, but... It's but just... also,
3: like, faults and prize is what you always say when schools Yeah, attacked, exactly. So
5: shut up. Yeah, ...the reports that, uh, ISIS has taken responsibility? No, no, uh, well, <laughs> we
0: can't comment on that, of course, because... ...these topics are of sensitive nature. We'd hate for people to go off with opinions half-cocked. However, we can advise you, given the current situation, the best measures to be taken... ...still remains... Changing your Twitter avatar. Yeah, the yes. man
3: you have detained—is it true he has ties to Islamic terrorism? Uh,
0: no, let's not use that word or inflammatory language. Uh, and I will say, regardless of the motive, uh, that does not change the precautions needed to be taken by the
3: average citizen. Is this Stephen? In changing doing your Twitter avatar.
0: This
1: is Stephen. Yeah, it's Stephen doing it.
3: Everything apart from the Twizzer Avatar stuff is actually very reasonable things to say in a moment of crisis like this where you don't know what's happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's the thing that happens when you have a funny premise, but you don't have the writing chops to put together a funny skit based on it. That's what it is. Well, that's not,
3: the the joke he thinks is that they refuse to call stuff terrorism, which isn't the joke. Like, that's.
1: Oh, okay. So I thought the joke was that they that people change their Twitter avatars. No,
3: okay, there are two jokes. That is the better joke, but uh-huh. the other joke he says is he he's trying to get at the fact that people Oh, refuse it's the to old say, they never
1: say it's a terrorist when yeah, it's a terror. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I see exactly. what you're getting. Yep. That was, I missed see, that flew right over my head. Yep. And that I should have got there that. There you
3: one. go. All right, you've got one more. Yeah. All All right. Right.
1: What if I lack my one more, then I will just the next one is the one I really wanted you to say. Because this one Oh, boy, is it something. Uh, let's just scoot forward to it.
5: Holy Bullshit Man! It's the Bullshit Phone! I know!
1: I installed it. So it's a parody of Batman, obviously, right? But it's, it's Bullshit Man. It's fairly sure. obvious, I think, just from the audio alone. And we'll yeah. see uh, what the Bullshit's all about. By the way, I mean, like, it's something you... Like, that premise is something you could have seen on, like, Mad TV 20 yeah. years ago. Like... It's not It's not the worst not premise. Not two years ago. But it doesn't go great.
5: Hello, Commissioner Bullshit. Mm, yes, sir.
1: Right away, sir. Okay, okay, and they immediately take it to a hack place because everything is bullshit. Like, it's Commissioner Gordon. Okay, Bullshit Man for Batman, that makes sense. But then going yeah. to Com- Commissioner Gordon is Commissioner Bullshit. Yeah, he's not
3: confused about his own premise, I'd say. Yeah. Understood, sir. Looks like the Second Amendment is under attack
0: again. And the bullshit artists and the bullshit minions in the mainstream media are on full cylinders.
1: So this is an example of what I was talking about where the politics comes first and the comedy comes second. And now why that becomes a problem fairly quickly yep. when you're talking about right-wing comedy. You'll see how this goes down the drain pretty fast.
5: Yep. Holy fecal matter bullshit man! To the bullshit mobile! <laughs> Bullshit, man. Doesn't
4: seem like there's a lot going on here.
5: That's the tricky
0: thing about anti 2nd amendment. Bullshit, bullshit, boy. Is that it can rear its ugly bullshit head.
5: And I spoke
4: too soon! It's coming our way!
5: See, bullshit, boy? It's the offside of bullshit statistic that more firearm ownership leads to greater violent crime despite the fact
0: that FBI statistics show that the murder rate as of 2013 has decreased from 5.6 to 4.4 for 100,000!
1: So, um, I feel like I have to address the way that they're lying, even though this is supposed to be a comedy skit, uh-huh. which is that the, the, what it shows is that people who own guns are more likely to experience gun violence, and places with more concentration of guns are more likely to experience gun violence. That doesn't have anything to do with the fact that the overall murder rate went down, because you still have a correlation between the, the number of guns And the amount of violence.
3: Yeah, also this isn't funny, so it's not. It's
5: very not funny. (laughs) Oh good shot, bullshit man! Oh no! It's the bullsh instance that most shootings are committed with fully semi-automatic
1: So the just so everyone can know, the uh what they're actually putting on the screen, just so you know, is a headline that says Assault Rifles are becoming mass shooters weapon of choice. And let's hear how they handle that. RIFLES, DESPITE THE FACT THAT THE FBI SHOWS MOST ARE COMMITTED WITH run of the mill HANDGUNS! GET THE- The statistic they're showing from the FBI is for all shootings, not for mass shootings. Mass shootings are overwhelmingly committed with semi-automatic AR-15 style rifles. That's what it's about. You're just, um, lying. You're just lying. They're just
3: in the street, like, hitting articles as well. Like, they haven't yeah, that's gone and what done there's, anything. There's no, yet. like,
1: bad guys. It would yeah. have been fun if they at least came up with a version of a bad guy. Yeah. Like, or, like, a like, of people wear the these art-
3: articles as costumes.
1: Would have been good, but they didn't um, bother to go that far.
3: We get I'm through done,
1: a cou- a couple there's Let me get through one or two more I of these. Fine. And then it will be done. I promise.
0: Get that bullshit out of here! <laughs> nice bullshit
3: kick, Robin. Oh no! It's the false statistic like that gun free zones keep us safe!
0: Despite the fact that that bullshit was debunked in 2009, ever since then, 92% of
5: mass shootings have been committed in gun free zones! BULLSHIT!
1: Funny that now they can delineate between, uh, uh, you know, uh, all shootings and a subset of shootings, which yep. they couldn't do before. Funny that. Yeah, 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 it's weird that they can do that now. Yeah.
0: BULLSHIT BOY! Oh no, bullshit man! It's got me! It's too strong! Gun show loophole. There is no gun show loophole, bullshit boy. There's not a single law in the federal books exempting gun shows or online transactions
3: from any other firearm transaction. Not yeah, A single. that's What happens? Yeah,
1: they they are correct. There is not a single law on the books exempting gun shows uh from the the federal firearms regulations. What there is on the books is a uh, law that exempts personal sales from one individual to another from federal firearms registration laws, which is what we call the gun show loophole, because that's where those sales happen. Yeah. So you get the point, right? The, the, he, the premise? Premise is okay. Premise is okay.
3: I, Problem, I'm not even sure the premise is okay, to be honest.
1: I think that bullshit, man, fine. It's fine. It's not as good as the the thing they did with John Hamm on Saturday Night Live with the... Uh, what was that? I don't even remember what that was. It was an Aquaman... Uh, Thing. I, don't I don't even remember what that was, but it's a fine premise. It could be done well, but the politics comes first, and that destroys all the humor. So, Benedict, that is our run through of Stephen Blake Crowder, Great. Stephen B. Crowder, uh, and uh, and his horrible, awful, terrible life of comedy. And cool. um, have I? Have I uh, inspired you to go pick up a microphone somewhere and go to an open mic? Uh,
3: maybe well, if he has set? a career, that's hope for us all. There's so, hope for us
1: all indeed. That's all I will say. If he can do it, it truly can be said that anyone can. Uh, but thank you all for listening. I, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you can't get enough of us, remember to go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes. Shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout out to our wonderful and amazing patrons: Teach Peace, Chi Whizzle, the Ghost of Larry Nichols, Jacob Johnson, Dan Rosari, A Wee Woo Thing, New Buildings Are a Globalist Conspiracy, Kerry Connorsen, Bobo D Bear, Chili, Madeline, and Zachary Wilson, Fetro, Stephen Debo, Torian and De Gallant, Raptor Princess versus the Shadow Wolves. Runak Seti, Amy Kaiser, Sean Sullivan, Lauren S. I've never listened to your podcast any slower than 1.3x speed. William Patterson, Flackweasel, Karen Dackler. Join us next week when our theme music will be Oz. God damn it! Every time! How are you such a genius? Join us next week when our theme music will be Ozzy Osborne by Lazy Town. God damn it, you son of a bitch! You beautiful bastard! How do you do this to me? Henry Louis King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Clifton Stuckey, Pause. a restless native, a baby, Wham. Veronica Forker, Melissa C., George Solonier, Stefan, a uh, bunch of symbols I can't see, everyone within the sound of my voice has to see Barbie, Utah Outcast, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacow, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Rung the Deceiver. Dick Easy me. Jay Reynolds, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, Taru Takana and Balls Waterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, let's go, bullshit boy. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.